Do you need help protecting your finances as you enter retirement? David Dickens of KC Financial Advisors has got you covered. Welcome to the Cover Your Assets KC podcast. If you've ever wanted to know something about gifting money and the taxes involved, well, this is the episode for you. Uh, We've got a great show on the way here on the Cover Your Assets KC podcast. Walter Storholt alongside David Dickens, President and Wealth Advisor at KC Financial Advisors, office in Overland Park, but online everywhere at CoverYourAssetsKC.com. David, glad to have you join us this week. How you been? Uh, Pretty well, Walter. I'm trying to think if there's anything new in my world. I have a brand new grandson. And so that's pretty cool. Another brand new grandson. Well, fantastic. (laughs) Well, three of them under five years old. I guess they're all pretty brand new. Okay, gotcha. Gotcha. Yes, I'm a a very lucky man. And uh, are you getting lots of playtime? And uh, I mean, gosh, just you must be thrilled. The next uh, 20 years ahead of you are just going to be so fun watching them grow up. I think that's the case. And hopefully this isn't the end of the line. So, I mean, uh, you know, five, six, eight. You know, probably not 12, but who knows? Okay, anyway, so yes, there, there's uh, expectations there it, uh, <laughs> for, for maybe a little more. That's good. It's very I, fun. Uh, I just got the chance um, a couple of days ago to go visit my grandparents up in Maine, and it was the first time seeing them uh, since the beginning of the pandemic, uh, which was probably the longest period of time I'd ever gone without seeing my grandparents, even though they are a couple thousand miles away from me. Usually, we're getting a visit once a year, if not twice. And uh, boy, it was just wonderful to reconnect with them. It was uh, it was really something else. They are just awesome people, and um, uh, just a special special relationship, special time spent with them. It was really difficult to uh, to leave and say goodbye uh, when we flew back, uh, but it was it was a great time. By the way, I had to take a Cessna, David, to see them. <laughs> uh, we we flew to Boston, and then from Boston to where they are in Bar Harbor. Um, is just a short little flight, and so it's on a it's on an eight seater Cessna. How was that? It was awesome. It was so cool. <laughs> uh, I got to sit right behind the co pilot on the way there, and we flew in at night. I mean, it, it was so cool. And then on the way back, we got to fly in the daytime, which was nice. And there was no co pilot, so they had Connie sit in the co-pilot seat. So she literally was sitting in the wow. co-pilot seat. I got some great pictures and video. It felt like she was flying the plane. It was it was pretty neat. How it was, fun. It was a very unexpectedly cool experience. So And I'm sure that was not at 36,000 feet. No. I want to say we got up to 7,000 feet. I was watching all the <laughs> dials, and if I can read the, uh, what is it, altimeter? Is that how you pronounce uh-huh. it? Um, if I can, uh, if I read that properly, I think we were at 7,000 feet at night flying in. But in the daytime flight on the way back, I think we only got up to about 4,500 feet as our max yeah. height. So That's so different from being in a big jet. Yes, yes. Very different experience. They don't pressurize the, the, uh, the cabin. And it is loud. It is a very loud flight. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's flying a riding lawnmower. <laughs> yes, it's exactly what. I mean, I was actually like, I think I need headphones or something because this is, my ears are almost hurting. It was it was just at that decibel level where you're you're about to plug your ears up a little bit. So, but uh, what a fun experience! Very cool, and uh, and and being able to see the grandparents all as a part of it was just great. So, uh, you will be have many years of fun ahead of you, no doubt about it. Uh, well, let's get into uh, today's conversation, David. And uh, you know this now. This may depend a little bit. Uh, I imagine you may want to help those grandkids out one day with some sort of uh, with some sort of gift, perhaps for college or a fun purchase or something like that. 
Although if it does get up to be, you know, 10, 11, 12, um, that might become a bit interesting for you to navigate (laughs) those kinds of things. (laughs) But we want to talk about gift tax on today's show and who pays the gift tax when you do want to gift money to someone and all of the different layers that are involved. And this must be one of the more common questions that you get from your clients that's not exactly or directly related to, you know, just the general retirement conversations, right? Yeah, I get this question all the time. And basically the answer is the same all the time, but it is amazing to me how many people don't understand how this works. So, you know, in 12 or 15 minutes, I hope I make it super clear as to what the rules are around gifting and how they might change depending on who you're gifting to. Okay, so there's some nuances here. So who who it's gifted to and some other little moving parts here that we'll need to be aware of. Right. So maybe we should start with the, so the IRS has a specific definition of what a gift is. And it doesn't have to be a check. It could be a car or a piece of property. It's, it's any transfer to an individual, either directly or indirectly, where, in their language, where full consideration measured by money is not received in return. So it's not a sale. It's not a purchase and a sale. It's something where the value of what you're giving away is more than what somebody paid you for it. And most times they paid you zero for it. So it's truly a gift. So that's what, that's what we're talking about. That's what the IRS is talking about. And there are really three different types of entities or, or receivers of these gifts. And I wanted to kind of, that what, we're really, what I want to spend the most time on is number three. But the first one, we can get out of the way real fast, and that's when you give money to a 501c3 organization, which you might think of as your university or your church or some other type of um, tax-exempt entity. So there aren't any rules. There aren't any limits. You can just give, basically, you can just give money to those 501c3 organizations, and you might get a tax deduction for that as well if you itemize. And so that is, you know, for instance, um, one other interesting thing about that is based on one of these many tax laws that Congress has passed over the last two years, you're limited as to how much of your adjusted gross income you can reduce by the amount of gifts that you give. Normally, it's 60% of your adjusted gross income. So let's say that you have adjusted gross income of 100 grand. And you give away, you write a check to 80 grand, for 80 grand to Mizzou or KU or your church. Well, in normal years, only 60,000 of that 80,000 gift can be written off against your income because it's limited to 60% of your adjusted gross income. AGI of 100,000, you can write off 60,000. But in 2020 and 2021, Congress said, (laughs) somehow related to COVID, they said, you know what? We'll let you reduce your AGI by 100%. So if you find yourself in a really giving mood and you're looking for an extra tax deduction, then this year, last year and this year, you can offset 100% of your adjusted gross income by making gifts to these 501c3s. Interesting little nuance there. All right, so that's good to know. What else do we need to know about the, the gift tax and these nuances and different elements? Well, the second way to give uh, is through a qualified charitable distribution. And, and all that is, is if you're over 70 and a half, you can gift from your IRAs up to $100,000 per 
person. So if you're married, up to $200,000. And if you if the gift goes directly to, let's say, for instance, your church, the IRS does not tax that distribution from your IRA. So here's why that's important. Let's say that you have a married couple, they're each 72, and they have required minimum distributions of 45 grand out of their IRAs. Well, if they take the 45,000 and then write a check to their church, well, they have income of that $45,000 that they're going to pay tax on. But if they gift it directly to their church using a qualified charitable distribution, and now it has to go direct to the church, then the IRS never gets to tax that $45,000. And the super important thing is they're probably in the category where they're not itemizing deductions anymore. So over and above what they get for their standard deduction, they get to take this money out of their IRA, give it directly to their church, and it never becomes taxable income. So these qualified charitable distributions, I think they came into being maybe three or four years ago with some other tax law. But they're super important to know as far as gifting. So that's the second type. And really, Walter, it's the third type of of gift that, that was really what the headline of this podcast is talking about. So well, they always save the best for last, right? Exactly. Keep them guessing right till the end. So what we're really talking about with who pays the gift tax is when the, the most common way to think of it is a parent writes a check to their adult child, or maybe a grandparent writes a check to the grandchild. And the question I get is, now, how much can I give away without paying a tax on it? And is my kid going to get taxed on that gift? The answer is, in 2021, you can write a $15,000 check to anybody you want, and you don't have to tell the IRS you did it. And your spouse can do the same thing. And the person who gets the money is not taxed on that gift. So on gifts of less than $15,000, $30,000 if you're married, there is no reporting whatsoever to the IRS, and the person that gets the money doesn't owe any tax. So what happens if you give $16,000? Who pays the tax on that? Well, there still is not any tax owed on that extra $1,000. But what you do have to do is you have to file a form with your taxes next year. It's called Form 709. And all it does is create a little side ledger that the IRS keeps track of to say, if you ever give more than the lifetime exemption, then we're gonna, then there's probably going to be some estate tax involved. So the lifetime exemption is right now is $11.7 million per spouse. So your estate... Per, Per spouse. Okay. Per spouse. So your estate, if you're married, could give away over $23 million and never pay any gift tax on that either, and no estate tax. But you do have to file this Form 709 if you give more than $15,000. So, you know, I'm not sure an example is really necessary there, but I'll say one anyway. (laughs) Let's say that you are given $150,000 to your your child because they need it for whatever and you give you give the $15,000 without any reporting and then 135,000 
doesn't get taxed, but it does get reported on Form 709, and that's all it takes. Now, if you happen to live in Connecticut or Minnesota, there's, there's some state gift tax, which I'm not going to drill down on, but most states don't have a gift tax. So it's really a pretty simple operation to give away money. What the IRS wants to make sure is that people with large estates, over 23 million, don't give it away and escape estate tax at some point in the future. So really, even that $15,000 threshold is just when it, it's not like now taxes owed. It's just when you need to report it at that point, at that threshold. But the, the owing tax on the gift is not going to, to really kick in unless you're in some enormous bracket. That's exactly right. Now, hmm. now there, you know, there's always a, a little caveat. So here's, here are two caveats. One is the $11.7 million per spouse of the estate tax exemption is under consideration to go back to $5 million. So in other words, per spouse, that would be a $10 million estate instead of a $23 million estate as to where the um, estate, estate tax exemption starts. Now, January of 2026, it's going to revert to $5 million anyway. But, but Joe Biden is, is proposing that they do that right away and not wait till January 26. So the loophole here, totally legal, is if you find yourself with an estate over, say, $10 million, you can use up that entire $23 million if you want while that's still the law. And if they ever reduce that in the future, the excess is not taxable because you made the gifts when the law said 11.7 million per spouse. So that's, a, that's an exemption that you can make use of today uh, that you may not be able to make use of nearly as fully in the future. So that's one. The other is, remember the, the $150,000 gift I talked about where you know, the parent gives the gift, 15,000 is, is not reportable, but the other 135,000 is. But let's say that that parent was actually going in to reduce some college debt or grad school debt that that particular child had. Well, if the parent, let's say that that, that child racked up $100,000 of educational debt, the parent can send a check directly to the educational entity, pay off that debt, and that does not have to be reported either. So it's a, it's a gift. But since it was made directly to an educational institution, you can do the same thing for uh, medical bills if it goes directly to the hospital. Then the IRS never sees that type of, of gift either. And that can be done whether it's your kid or somebody that, uh, some non-relative. It, does, it doesn't have to be somebody related to you. So those are ways where wealthier individuals can give away a lot of money and never have to report it to the IRS in any way, shape, or form. So, you know, the, like a lot of things, if you've got a tax code that has 60,000 pages, well, there's a lot of different ways you can do things you want to do. You just have to know the rules. Knowing the rules, unfortunately, uh, pops up a lot when we're talking about taxes, doesn't it, David? <laughs> <laughs> it does. And, you know, I mean, our, we laugh about our tax code being unnecessarily complex, but there's so many special interests in America that stuff gets tucked into tax bills all the time. 
And so it is unnecessarily complex. But some of those rules can actually work in your favor, whereas we always think of, oh, that rule got me. And frankly, most of them do work against you, but some of them are there to be taken advantage of if you know about them. So if you find yourself in a situation where you do have a lot of net worth and you do want to do some some significant gifting, a little bit of knowledge will take you a very long way into avoiding to having to do any reporting to the IRS whatsoever. If you ever had any questions on the gift tax, hopefully today's podcast helps answer those questions for you. If it did not and you've uh, thought of something else or a new angle or just want to talk about your specific situation, you can always do that directly with David. You can call 913-317-1414 to set up a time to meet for a visit, perhaps a complete planning review, go through the CPR process and uh, look at all the different moving parts of your financial and retirement plan to make sure you're on track for retirement. Uh, Again, you can call 913-317-1414 or go to CoverYourAssetsKC.com. And we'll put links and contact info in the description of today's show, so it should be pretty easy for you to find. Well, David, thanks for breaking down the gift tax for us on the show today, and I'll look forward to what topic you have on the agenda next time around. Walter, it is always a pleasure to chat through this stuff with you. Absolutely. Enjoyed it as usual, and we'll have another good conversation on tap a week from today. Come back and join us new episodes every week, folks. You're listening to the Cover Your Assets KC Podcast. Talk to you soon. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM, a registered investment advisor. BCM and KC Financial Advisors are independent of each other. For full disclosures, please visit our website at www.coveryourassetskc.com.